Welcome to the Kyiv Post podcast, where you can tune into stories that give you a deeper understanding of Ukraine. I'm your host, Alina Kent. I'm a multimedia producer and lifestyle journalist here at the Kyiv Post. It has been just over seven years since the start of Russia's invasion and aggression in eastern Ukraine. The war has slowly dragged on with no end in sight. Meanwhile, children in occupied Donbass swallow pro-Kremlin propaganda on a daily basis. Ukraine is no longer mentioned in their textbooks except when accompanied by the terms Russophobia and Neo-Nazism, popular on Russian TV. Trying to nurture a generation loyal to the pro-Russian regime, the occupation authorities have Russified all education, waging a massive propaganda campaign in schools and beyond. While this campaign has turned some young people against Ukraine, the occupants' methods are failing. Tired of war, poverty, and isolation, the youth of Donbass are fleeing to the rest of Ukraine or to Russia in search of a better life. Our staff writer Anastasia Lapatina interviewed teenagers from the occupied territories of Donbass to see how Russia's efforts to eradicate Ukrainian identity in the region affected their education and hopes for the future. Welcome, Nastya. Hi. So what does the current situation look like in Donbass? So the situation in the occupied territories of Donbass is quite grim, especially for the young people who live there. Everyone I have talked to said that they were quite unhappy with the lack of opportunities for education or career growth. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, basically all Ukrainian and international companies have left the region. The only stores and businesses that can provide services are either locally managed or Russian. And this creates a significant shortage of basic goods and services, which contributes to this overall feeling of isolation from the world that many teenagers spoke to me about. So basic stuff like banking, for instance, is a huge problem. The only bank that somewhat functions on occupied territories is the one established by the occupants, and it doesn't work very well. So no one really uses credit cards, only cash. And international money transfers or Apple Pay, all these things are completely foreign to people who live on the occupied territories. And for the youth, all of these problems are very annoying because they kind of feel out of sync with the rest of the world. There's also a curfew, which has now lasted for seven years. So no one can go outside from 11 p.m. until 5 in the morning. And the curfew is only lifted for some holidays, so a couple of times a year. So you can imagine no um, nightlife, nothing of that sort. So the situation is not very good overall, and especially for the young people. What are some examples of the Russification that takes place? So uh, the very obvious thing is the fact that kids can no longer study Ukrainian literature, language, or history in schools. And if you want to do that, you have to find private tutors or study online at a Ukrainian school, which many kids do. So instead, classes uh, like Donbass citizenship and spirituality lessons or Russia in the world have been installed in the program. Kids also learn the Russian language and then the history of the fatherland, which is taught according to History of Russia textbooks. Also portraits of famous Ukrainian artists or like Taras Shevchenko, the most world-renowned Ukrainian writer, those have been removed and instead replaced with the portraits of the leaders of the local occupational authorities or Russian-backed militants in the region. And another problem is teachers who just tell kids lies about Ukraine, installing anti-Ukraine propaganda in their heads. So, for instance, calling Ukrainians fascists or neo-Nazis, telling stories about how in Ukraine people's skulls get measured to determine whether they're Ukrainian enough, 
And this is a lie, of course, but it is something one can hear on Russian state TV quite often. How effective is this propaganda in influencing the children? I can't say it's 100% effective because about half of the people I've talked to, uh, kids age 15 to 18 or 19 maybe, they all want to flee Ukraine. But there are still a lot of people, so I'd say hundreds or thousands, it's difficult to say because they are, after all, living in isolation, that uh, follow these Russian narratives and anti-Ukrainian propaganda. And there are a lot of kids who join kind of pro-Russian patriotic camps or military camps, and there they create uh, various patriotic events, like pro-Russian events, celebrating May 9th, which is the victory day in the post-Soviet Union republics. So I can't say for sure, but it is clear that everyone who lives there wants to leave either to Russia or Ukraine. And is it difficult for them to leave? Yes, it can be quite difficult for them to leave. Because, as one girl told me, in her opinion, it is to the occupational authorities' advantage that the students stay. They need workers, they need the students, they need the youth to kind of pump up life into the region. So there are routine border closures, so the borders between occupied territories and uh, Ukraine. Even to go to Ukraine from the occupied territories, most people go through Russia. So they cross the border between occupied territories and Russia, go into like Kharkiv region, and then go wherever they need to in Ukraine. And that creates a lot of difficulties. It takes a lot of time. So you're traveling basically the whole day. And for many kids who want to apply to Ukrainian universities, they have to go and take uh, admissions tests, something known as Zenoa here. Those are done at the end of your schooling in grade 11. And to do that, they have to travel to Ukraine. But um, the occupants, every year, they kind of think of something to make this as difficult as possible. Many kids have missed those tests and couldn't retake them and couldn't go to the universities they wanted to because they just couldn't get there. One girl even told me that she doesn't know what's harder, taking the exams or getting to take them. The occupants are really trying to kind of lower the amount of people who flee, but nevertheless, people manage. And it's way easier to flee to Russia because there are many connections, economic and just bureaucratic ones between Russia and the occupied territories. Russia has been giving out um, thousands of passports, Russian passports, to people who live in the occupied territories. And that just makes everything easier because you can travel back and forth and your documents are accepted. I've also been told by one girl that um, as much as she loves Ukraine, it is very difficult for her to go there because some of her documents issued by the occupational authorities are not recognized in Ukraine. And it's um, very difficult to get to Ukraine because of all of these border crossings. So she is going to go and pursue her education in Russia. And that's that saddened me a lot. But that's just unfortunately the reality. Ukraine created a program for children who live in the occupied territories of Crimea and Donbass. Through such a program, teenagers can choose to apply to one university in Ukraine without a need for a passport or high school transcript to ease their journey into Ukraine. However, the program is difficult to manage, so most choose an alternative route, attempting to take the admissions tests and travel to Ukraine and apply to as many universities as they want. So what future options do these young students have? So students kind of have at least two options. Um, they can go to Ukraine after they graduate or they can go to Russia. 
in Russia, I've heard it's easier to do so just because uh, you can receive Russian passports and stuff, or they can choose to remain in the so-called republics on the occupied territory. But for what I've heard, virtually no one wants to do that just because there is poverty, there is curfew, there are no prospects for career growth or good education because after Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, the majority of good teachers left the region. So even the universities that were one of the best in Ukraine before, they're now at very, very low standards. And I guess you could also move somewhere uh, in a third country, like to Europe. And most people on occupied territories don't have the resources to do that. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to us about your article. Well, thanks for having me. It was really nice. Thank you for listening to the Key of Post podcast. I'm your host, Alina Kent. You can read Anastasia's article, How Kremlin Propaganda Grooms Donbass Teenagers for the Russian World, on our website, kyivpost.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms and follow along on our website. Stay safe, stay home, and subscribe to the Kyiv Post. <laughs>